Welcome to the Brazil Church of the Nazarene Weekly Sermon Podcast. This is the message from Sunday, April 7th, titled The Scent. Pastor Marlon Betts continues his Lenten series from the devotional book For God So Loved by talking about the scents during the anointing at Bethany. Let's listen to today's message. We've been appreciating our theme. This time it was not the technician's fault. This time it was mine. I was so into the music that I forgot to turn on my switch. That's good. This is great. This is a good way to start the sermon. Woo! Start over. Good morning. What's that? You can hear me. Good. Now I've got to start again. It's good to be in God's house. It's good to be able to worship with you. We're two weeks away from Easter. Easter is just uh, the most important Sunday out of the church year. Amen? Yeah. I mean, it kind of, uh, kind of is important. That Jesus rose again. And, and that's the reason why we worship on Sundays. And uh, so, you know, Easter's pretty important. So I'm hoping that you can uh, keep working through Lent. Keep building yourself in a relationship with God. So when Easter Sunday comes, you're ready to explode with God's love and goodness and kindness and gracious uh, gifts all over to everybody else around you. And they're going to say, what happened? To those people, and you're going to say, Jesus happened. He rose, he died, and rose again. Amen. We're looking forward to it. We're working on, uh, well, I guess we're working on our Good Friday service, and uh, put Sam in charge of that, and uh, that's going to be a, a good thing. So, on s- 7 o'clock, Friday night. All right. We're looking in our Bibles uh, as we continue on our theme, God so loved the world. Um, we're looking at the passage for today, which is John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's word. Remain standing for prayer. John chapter 12. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead whom Jesus had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray Jesus, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This Judas said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let Mary alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have Always. Lord bless his word. Let's pray. Thank you again for another passage of Jesus teaching, and in this case, Mary and Judas doing some teaching. <laughs> and so, Lord, we just want to learn and we want to grow, we want to be better. And uh, teach us, Lord. We are very familiar with this story in this passage of Scripture. So it's not something I can say, but Lord, what can you say that will make a difference today as we draw closer to you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May be seated. Sitting on the front row, I began to catch a whiff of cinnamon. Anybody else 
caught that yet? Not yet? Okay. I have a sensi down here. And it has cinnamon in it. And uh, when Debbie turns it on in our house, whew, it's, it's overpowering. So um, I'm going to see if it'll just kind of eventually get past the second or third row. There's an advantage to sitting down front today, and that is you'll catch the smell of cinnamon sooner. And those in the back may never catch the smell. Smell triggers memories more than any other sense in your body. Smell will trigger memories. Uh, The olfactory bulb that runs from the nose to the bottom of the brain is connected to the two sections of the brain, which I probably can't pronounce, that are associated with emotion and the other section with memory. There's a direct connection uh, from smell to emotion and memory. Many people understand the profound ways that scent triggers your memory. Brides are often encouraged to wear a signature perfume on their wedding day in order to evoke memories of that wonderful day. Every time they smell that perfume for the rest of their lives and their poor husband, oh, yeah, that scent. (laughs) That day, right? Smell triggers memory. And so that's uh, important for weddings, I guess. I don't remember a signature scent at our wedding, but uh, there probably was one. There are certain smells that remind us of grandma's house, right? Grandma's house, certain smell. Um, Certain smells that remind you of the old barn. Certain smells that may remind you of the high school locker room. You know, sweaty socks and other stuff, dirty, yeah, okay. Um, the scent of pine, what do you think of? Yeah, I mean, it's just, boom, automatic, and um, there's a smell of fresh-baked cookies, there's the smell of burning leaves, there are certain things in your mind that you can't get away from because it, that smell... And all of a sudden, okay, those occasions, certain things. Um, I'll tell you one that you you never forget is baby lotion. You know, there's certain memories associated with that. Why did you put on the baby lotion? Because of a certain scent that just occurred before that. Um, (laughs) Some of you are getting it. The scent gets out. These here in the front, they're, they're with me. All right. Um, In fact, there are a lot of businesses today making money off of smells, right? Sense. A sensey. Get in the business. They even sell them at church now. No, you can't buy that one. That's used. Um, But candles, I mean, you go to, where is it, Cracker Barrel and some other place. I mean, rows of their candles, and people sell them. Um, And... There's air fresheners, which we have stock in that company because Jana buys a lot of them and puts them around the old building so that it smells better because you don't want to walk into a musty building. Um, Essential oils have invaded our home um, the last few years. It's a new ministry that we are supporting because somehow it makes you sleep quicker or makes your whatever... Yeah, uh, and some people are convinced of that. You go around and pat people on the back and rub a little oil on their shoulders and they'll treat you better. You know, it's all, man, it's just, it's just all built in. And uh, Debbie believes in the power of smell. We have discussions about smell in our house because she believes in it. That again, yeah, every night, every night. Smell invades our bedroom because she believes in the power of smell. Is it working? Ask her. (laughs) Per 
personally, I found out there's one smell I do not like. There's, there's, a, there's quite a few I do not like, but one just drives me nuts. And she uses it a lot. <laughs> because we don't have a water softener. So you get the hard water deposits. And so what do you use on those? Vinegar. And it drives me nuts. It pervades the whole house. It's one of those smells. I mean, there could be worse smells, but that one just... <sighs> anyway. Just like, come on, vinegar? Again? Yeah. I mean, fire up the, vin- uh, you know, fire up the vinegar. She's been cleaning. The coffee pot, it ruins the taste of coffee for a week. Clean it with vinegar. All right. I'm... Tell Debbie you love her. I'm working at it. So since we're talking about aromas, there's a distinct smell as we approach the text that we read this morning, right? And that smell is death. The story comes on the heels of Lazarus' death in the previous chapter. And Jesus delays until Lazarus dies. They put him in the tomb. He shows up. And when he shows up, what are they concerned about? The smell. And he tells them to open the tomb, and what are they concerned about? (laughs) And when Lazarus comes bounding forth, they forget about the smell because of the miracle that occurred. Um, But because of Jesus' miracle, they forget the smell because life had come out of the tomb instead of death. So that is the setting But Lazarus' death is not the only death still lingering in the air. I believe they're having this celebration with Jesus there that day because of Lazarus being there, sitting right next to Jesus. Um, And Jesus' death, John, the writer, tells us, is just six days away. He says it's six days until the Passover. So you know that in the mind of Jesus... And from the things he's been trying to teach the disciples, which they aren't grasping yet, that the smell of death is lingering. The verses that immediate precede this one, right at the end of chapter 11, talk about how they are plotting to get Jesus. The verses that follow record the desire by the religious leaders to also kill Lazarus. Because he is a walking, talking testimony of the power of God. Death is pervading this passage. It surrounds it. It's the context in which we live and read this. Jesus knew this, even if some of the others in the room didn't. So the smell of approaching death is still heavy in the atmosphere as far as he's concerned. Until Mary changed the fragrance of the room. So let's look at this story with a fresh nose this morning. Number one is the motivation of Mary. Why did she do this? Now, from previous encounters, we know that Mary wanted to learn from Jesus, that she uh, was, instead of doing the cooking with Martha and the cleaning and all that, she got down at the feet of Jesus. It was, this was countercultural because women weren't allowed, weren't allowed to follow the rabbis. They weren't allowed to be disciples. They weren't allowed to get all in in these kind of discipleship relationships. But she did it as much as she could anyway. And Mary viewed Jesus as her teacher. She viewed him as her friend. She had no problem sitting at his feet and learning from his teaching. On his last visit, Jesus had performed the miracle of restoring her brother Lazarus back from dead. She fell at his feet of Jesus. And today we see her again at the feet of Jesus. How could she show Jesus how much she loved him? How much she appreciated what he had done for her and her family? Well, when Jesus came back, she was ready. He'd gone out into the wilderness for a few days in between and then came back, according to 
John, and when they came back, she was ready, and she and Martha put together an appreciation meal. Jesus was the honored guest. Lazarus was beside him in the places of honor, but, and some guests had been invited probably from Bethany neighborhood who, who were there to continue to celebrate the, the resurrection of Lazarus, and, and uh, the disciples were there. Mary had this special ceremony planned for the occasion. Nobody else knew about it. She had purchased some expensive, powerful perfume called nard for the, for the purpose of anointing Jesus. This, this oil was so pungent and it was so powerful that it was often used to anoint the bodies of the dead, and wrap them up so they wouldn't smell so bad as they decayed over the years. That's how powerful this oil was. She got on the floor before Jesus. His feet probably were washed when he entered the room by a servant. But this place of humility and servanthood is at the feet there where she gets down and and she does the unthinkable. She bathes his feet, this time not with water and soap, but with this oil. And a little drop or two would have done the job. They would have all smelled it. But she took the pint and poured the whole thing all over his feet. It ran down on the floor. And then she did another no-no. She unbound her hair, which you were not allowed to do in public. And with her hair, she used it as a towel. And the other no-no was that a woman was not to touch a man or a man a woman unless you were immediate kin. Immediate kin. That's biblical. It's also in the Talmud. So here she's breaking these cultural and societal taboos. And everyone in the room thought her actions were scandalous. In today's society, the guests would have immediately popped out there and they would have recorded the incident. It would have gone viral. It would have been on the evening news. They would have been trashing Jesus and trashing Mary and saying there was something going on. I guarantee you. They would have talked about it for weeks. The criticism of Mary. And why did Jesus allow this? But we look back up from the scene, and as we back up a little bit, we look at her motives. Let me ask you, have you ever done something wrong, but you did it for the right reason? Because that's what Mary was doing. Culturally, it was wrong. She took that risk. How is she going to express her love to Jesus? This is what came to her mind. And so she was doing something right, but she did it in their culturally wrong way. Mary was motivated totally by a love for Jesus. She wanted to serve Jesus. She wanted to worship Jesus. He was her friend. He was her teacher. He had just restored her brother back to life and back to the family. And she knew that Jesus had enemies who were out to kill him. All of these facts drove her to do the unthinkable, which was to express her love for Jesus in the wrong way way and Jesus got her message he got her message Judas however did not and that's the second point of the message the motivation of Judas because Judas was good with money Judas would have been the person that you want uh, representing you when you when you go on the price is right because the guy knew 
how much this cost. Right? He knew how much things were. He was an expert. And all things money. He knew how much her perfume was. He, he could not believe that he just saw all that expensive oil poured out on Jesus' feet and on the floor. What? What a waste. And he's thinking in his mind, if only I had that money. Right? That's what the Bible is kind of insinuating to me. Uh, he'd know how to spend it, wouldn't he? Judas knew what to do with the money. And so he mentions this stuff about helping the poor. But that was just his excuse to complain because he did not like what Mary was doing as she worshipped Jesus. He was motivated by greed. Pure and simple. He had to speak up. He could not take it. And so he did speak up. He spoke about using money to help the poor. Another disciple, John, wrote this gospel, and he said in his comments that Judas was a thief. It's kind of interesting. Here he's been with this guy traveling with him for a number of years, but remember, John is writing this after the fact. And he writes down, ah, yeah, remember, he was the thief. Um, and that he would steal out of the, the common purse the disciples, if they make a little extra money fishing or whatever the case may be, they drop it in the purse to help them out and, and also to help the poor out as they traveled around. And so Judas was in charge of that. And guess what happens? When Judas sees a good deal down at the drugstore, the big, huge gulp is on sale for two bucks. Judas would pirate away a little of the community money and go and buy himself one and drink it back in the stable somewhere. So the rest of the disciples didn't know about it. I don't know exactly what he spent the money on, but John said he would take some for his own use. And we know by reading the other Gospels and everything that Judas is reaching the point, and probably already has, where he has decided to betray Jesus. And he soon makes an arrangement with the religious leaders to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which equaled four months of a working man's wage. So he was more worried about taking care of himself than he was doing the right thing with Jesus. And he had just watched Mary. He's willing to betray Jesus for four months' wages, and he had watched Mary pour out a year's wages on the feet of Jesus. And that bugged him. She was nuts. And it drove Judas crazy. What could he do with a year's worth of wages? Think about this. Judas was given the opportunity of a lifetime. This is what bothers me. He was given the opportunity of a lifetime. You know that opportunity that Judas was given? He was called by Jesus himself to be a disciple of the Messiah, the Son of God, to travel with him for three plus years. And as he traveled with him to hear the words of God explained and disseminated and to grow and that relationship, the opportunity of a lifetime that most of us in this room would love to have had. But he sold that opportunity for the price of a four-month vacation. He betrayed Jesus to death for coins. But don't be too hard on Judas because many people have sold out their relationship with Jesus for a whole lot less. I've done it. You've done it. Wasn't much. But how quickly we forget the cross of Christ, what Jesus paid 
so that we could become a disciple and a follower of him, that his very death was so that we could have life, and we get tempted, and we throw it all away. Because something is so much more important than Jesus. And then we go, why did I do that? Judas, by looking out for himself at the expense of others, was multiplying the scent of death and destruction in the room that day. And he ended up the victim of his own betrayal. Because we know the story how it ended. After the death of Jesus Christ, he went out and threw the money down in the temple. It no longer satisfied. And the Bible says he went out and hung himself. He committed suicide. Judas smelled of death. But Mary was different. This is the contrast John is drawing here between the two. Her perfume, number three, gave everyone her message. Now Mary took a big risk. She broke with social laws in order to express her worship of Jesus. As the pungent odor filled the room, some understood her message of love, but others did not. Judas didn't get it. John eventually got it because he wrote about it. Jesus definitely got it immediately. And that's all that matters because who was she worshiping? Jesus. Who was she showing her love to? Jesus. And Jesus got the message. Praise the Lord. And sometimes I do things in the wrong way, but with the right intent. And Jesus gets the message. And then he says, uh, do it the right way next time. And I say, yes, sir, I learned but what does it mean? She's, she's worshiping Jesus. What does it mean to worship Jesus? Sometimes by trying to get people to come to church, we give people the wrong idea about worship. We may give them the idea that worship is all about what God gives to me, what God gives to us. Come to worship and, and you will get saved. Or, or come to worship and you're going to have all your needs met. And if you come to Christ, you'll feel better. You, you will be a better person. And this is the things you get. Come in. We are a consumer-driven society, so we approach worship sometimes as, as it's something you sell to people. Come and this is what you will receive. And all those things can be true as we come into worship. But the idea of worship is really just the opposite. Worship is not about what God gives to us. Worship is really about what do I give to God. That's worship. Worship is not about the scent God gives off, but it's about the scent we give off. Worship was about when they burnt those offerings and the sweet-smelling savor went up to Jesus, right? It went up to God. That's what they used to do all the time. The prayers were incense going up. The, the sacrifices for our sin and, and their sins back then was incense and, and other things sprinkled on it so that he would, ah, another person loves me and worships me and is giving themselves to me. So that's her message. <laughs> Mary reminds us of this. Regardless of what the men in the room would say, she wanted to show Jesus how much she loved him, how much he meant to her. Regardless of the financial cost, she'd saved up. I don't know how long it took. Maybe it was leftover nard from from when she was going to keep anointing the body of her brother in that tomb. I don't know, but she, I don't need this, whatever it is, it's expensive, but I am going to give it to Jesus and not just a little bit. I'm going to give it all. Regardless of the financial cost, she wanted Jesus to know he was worth more to her than all the other expensive things she could have bought for herself. With a year's wages. I try to get the concept of that. I think minimum wage, a year's wages is like $15,000. Can you imagine? 
loving Jesus so much, you give him a year's worth of your salary? She was not going to miss this opportunity to get the message out that she was worshiping Jesus. She was convinced that Jesus was her Messiah. So worship is not something that we receive. Worship is something that we give. Worship is a verb. Worship is action. Worship is you and I singing and praying and raising our hands and surrendering ourselves to the Lord, our Savior and King, acknowledging his presence and letting him know we love you. That's worship. Worship's not about us sitting in a seat and watching what goes on on the stage. Worship is about us participating as Jesus watches from heaven. He's the audience. We are the participators in worship. We're the ones worshiping. And so that's why we say, I love you, Jesus. That's why we raise our hands during a song, because it's talking about Jesus. (laughs) That's why we're encouraging each other. That's why we're praying to him. That's why we're doing all the things we do in worship is because he's the audience, and he's looking down. The ones on the stage are not the worship Leaders, they participate too <laughs> in worshiping him. And all they're trying to do is get us all on the same page, singing the same song, doing the same things, pointing the way to Jesus. Because Jesus is the focus of our worship. Praise the Lord. Worship is something we give. And Jesus understood what Mary was doing, and he received it graciously. He got the message Others began to get the message. And he said in so, in so many words, after Judas got done criticizing, he said, don't criticize her. She is giving me a gift of love. She is doing this because I'm, I'm about to die, and it will help me get through my death, and this is for my burial, and, and uh, she can help the poor another time, and probably did on a regular basis. But this time, she just wanted to worship me. And I'm grateful, he said. I appreciate her love and appreciation and worship to me. So what are we going to do with this story? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because number four is it's time to choose your own scent. It's time to choose your own scent. Isn't this interesting? I've never preached this before. I've never used a sensi before. Get out there, sensi. Smell. It stinks like cinnamon up here. (laughs) But it's time to choose your own scent. We started this sermon by talking about how a certain smell can trigger memories. Do you know that when you walk into a room... It triggers a reaction in other people. And they're going. And we're not talking about physical odors. We're talking about spiritual odors. Right? Because when you walk into a room, some people will remember a good scent. They're going to say, when she comes in, there's always a smile. There's a kind word. There's, there's a helping hand. There's a positive aroma, right? And then when there's some others, when, when you walk into a room, they, not you, but when a person walks into a room, they will say, hmm, I'm glad he left. I'm glad she's gone. Because there is a frown. There's a negativeness. There's a... Uh, words, uh, there's actions, there's mannerisms, there's things that that everybody know, right? You guys do this all the time. You know. You can tell when your kids walk into the door from school. You can tell when your son comes home from work or your spouse comes home from the, when shopping and she missed that good bargain. You can tell. 
You can tell. You know the scent. You know what's going on. A lot of times, in a matter of minutes, how that person's doing. And still others, when you walk into the room, they don't know your scent yet. They're still figuring you out, right? Uh, Are you a follower of Christ? Are you a part-time pretender? Are you a person that just comes and goes? Are you in and out? Are you really what you ought to be? I'm talking about in Christian circles, there's a scent that goes, and sometimes we, it takes a little bit. We've got to get to know them, got to figure it out, got to kind of, you know what? You know, and, and it's the things people say. There's somebody that's been coming for a little while now, and they, they, they give me the scent. I'm praying for you, Pastor. I pray for you every day this week. And you know, I'm okay. I like that scent, right? And there's somebody else that'll come and they'll, you know, why do we do this? What's going on with that? And you, you begin to get it. We all do that. It's a part of who we are and what we're going through that day and all the kind of stuff. But we don't always like it. The fact that people are sizing us up and sniffing the air and seeing what we look like and how we spiritually smell. It's not fair sometimes when they judge us. But there is a scent that lingers around each of us. It reflects on our true self. It sheds insight into our relationship with God. And people pick it up. Amen. They do. And this is a strange way to remind us that we choose our own scent. It affects not just religious, but your home, work, school, Nursing home, everything, wherever you go, there's something about you. Because I can walk down the the hallway of a hospital, and there's a flustered nurse, and whatever the case may be, or somebody pushing broom, and they they they've been there for nine hours, twelve hours, whatever. Sometimes they do twelve hour shifts, and and you just smile at them, and they get the scent, right? There's that person at the cashier, and. They've had people just causing all kinds of trouble all day long, and then they get the scent because you come along, and you're a Christian, and you say things like, God bless you, and I hope you're having a good day, and thank you for ringing up my, right? Judas left a scent of quick, harsh judgment and self-interest. Mary left a scent of a loving, worshipful service to Jesus. Interesting, in our Lenten devotional book, I hope you're reading along, uh, For God So Loved, I was just very interested that a couple lessons this week were from Philippians, and then we just talked about those passages, and one of them she she wrote on Friday, uh, all, and this is a pastor who's writing, Tara Beth Leach, and, and she's one of our, she wrote, All pastors have folks in the congregation who have the gift of discouragement. And she said, and then there are those who have the gift of encouragement. I thought she'd put encouragement first. But it kind of shocked me. It was like, they have the gift of discouragement. Is that really a gift? And then there are others who have the gift of encouragement. And then she ended that paragraph with this question, which are you? highlighted that. It's like, do I encourage my pastor, Tim Crump, or am I one of those that drags on him? It's a a way of beginning to think things through. I honestly can say that the majority of people in my life have left a good impression about their relationship with God. Their scent has been good. I hang around a lot of Christians. Now, they were full of encouragement. They were excited about serving God. And, and I just love their scent. I just like that. Don't you? That's one of the reasons we're discussing a membership class. Why do we hang around church? Because we like the people there. Amen? We're family. We like the way we smell. Not smell, but smell. And, and, and so that's part of it. But ironically, not everybody in the church is that way. Or people that are connected. I, I received one of those 
unsigned notes this week. No return address. Criticizing my ministry. It wasn't the scent that I wanted. And it wasn't something I particularly needed. But it's part of it. Right? It's part of it. I'm not perfect. I know I have flaws. I know there are better pastors and better preachers. But I also know God called me and I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus and I'm going to get better. And you see, the good thing about our relationship with God is that we always have an opportunity to improve our scent. If they don't like cinnamon, try lavender. If they don't like lavender, douse them with vinegar. Uh, Maybe sassafras, because they're sassy. I don't know. Maybe they just need some cloves and garlic. I came in last night, and there was the scent of garlic in that other building. The teens, teens were making pizza. Thanks, Miss Barb. But anyway, it was there. It was scent. But anyway, we can always improve our scent. We can work at becoming a better representative of Christ. We can leave others with a sense of, I'd like to be more like her. I'd like to be more like him because they smell and act like Jesus. Amen? Woo. She smells like fresh baked bread. He smells like chocolate chip cookies. And my favorite, mmm, pizza. Or mashed potatoes and gravy. We all have our scent. And it is, mmm. But there's one scent that's everybody's pushing lately. The smell of bacon. Pizza wrapped with three and a half feet of bacon. Like, okay, come on. What is this? All right, go try it. But people can smell and look at your life, and what do they say? I want to be like her. I want to be like him because they are like Jesus. That's pretty cool, isn't it? To think that we can impact people like that. Have you gotten the smell of cinnamon yet? Got down to this row. Okay, second, third row. Hey, he's got it in the back. It's bouncing. <laughs> all right. It's, it's coming. Yeah, it's about all melted. So the scent is coming. Lent is a season to examine our lives. Right? We do fasting. We do sacrificing of some of the things that we love so that we can become better disciples of Jesus. But the goal of Lent is not what we give up. The goal of Lent is to keep moving forward and growing in our relationship until we get to the cross and then to the resurrection. That is the message that we are growing towards. Because remember that as Christians, we carry the fragrance with us of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Wherever we go, we are saying, Jesus is alive. Well, Jesus is alive. He can help you. Jesus is alive. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. Jesus is preparing a place for you. Jesus is alive. Smell it. Resurrection smell. Everywhere we go, his resurrection impacts the way that we live. Because we live as Christians in the fragrance of a continuing spring. Don't you love spring? I've been waiting for it to happen. It finally got here this week. After that snow last Saturday. And I've been, you know, why not? Boom. It's here. And it's beginning to happen. 
and things are coming alive. And that is the message of Christianity, spring, because it's resurrection, it's new life, it's new things, it's a beginning, it's a new start, it's Jesus died on the cross and rose again for you. And you can begin again. In Christ, there's always new life. And our theme for Lent this year is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's the scent of spring. It's the scent of resurrection. And I ask you this morning, what do you want to smell like? Because we, every day, choose our own scent. We choose how we smell to the world, spiritually. And I'm telling you that the scent of sin and death hang heavy in our world. It's everywhere. It doesn't take long to find examples of wrong. Some of you have seen the movie Unplanned. You want to talk about the scent of death. Abortion is a stench. It's a stench in the nostrils of God and in our nation. Terrorism today stinks. The destruction of Christians and others in the world because of beliefs, it's terrible. Uh, murder is a constant part of in the news, stinking up our world. You know that drugs, illegal drugs, kill more people than car crashes? It's a stench. Destroying lives. Human trafficking. Uh, I, I feel so sorry for these people that are trying to reach freedom in our border and they're being abused all the way. Human traffickers. Drug cartels are sending them through. For money. Regardless of what it costs these children. It's disgusting. It stinks. Many people go hungry. Many people are homeless. We have a terrible stench in our world today. In times like this, it's easy to become cynical. It's easy for us, even as Christians, to become self-centered, to care more about ourselves than the needs of others. It's easier to write a critical note than it is to write one of encouragement. That's the day and name which we live. It's easier to tweet out something negative about somebody and make fun of them than it is to say, thank God they're trying. It's easier today to criticize everything that's going wrong than to say something positive that's going right. I wish every Christian in this room would take an hour every week and find somebody to encourage Phone call, letter, post, something, and you just make it part of your thing to let the scent go out because there's enough stink in the world that Christians need to do something better. We need to let the aroma of Christ out. Can we do that, folks? It's easy to become cynical. It's easier to become self-centered, to care more for ourselves. We know it's impossible to tackle all the problems of the world. We know that there are too many people who abuse the system, and they abuse the people who try to help them. And Judas, we know, used the system to cover his own needs. He used the church. He stole from Jesus and the disciples, for goodness sakes. He even sold Jesus out for money. He ignored the needs of others in order to take care of himself. In effect, he added his own stench to the smell of death that was in their culture. And his life ended in suicide. Everything about Judas here in this final week is a stench of death. But Mary did something different. 
She showed her love for Jesus in an extravagant manner. Others may have criticized, but she loved Jesus. The sacrifice of her love filled the room with a different smell and aroma. And we remember her differently than Judas. We will always remember uh, Judas. We will always remember Mary. For two different reasons, right? In this season, we should seek to have a heart like Mary's. We remember her scent. We should seek to fall at the feet of Jesus, to worship wholeheartedly with love and gratitude so that the world might experience hope in such profound ways that they can smell it. When we come by, they can see it. They can know it. They can say, that person's different. Thank God. I just want to leave an aroma of Jesus And I know you do too. This Lenten season, we we should take the time to influence the world of sin and death with Christ's hopeful message, the scent of salvation and the cross. And every day, maybe we could repeat these words as we begin our day. For God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave, and he gave. And what can I do? To give the scent of God's love. As we close this service, it's our sermon area time and go to the family altar time. It is a, it's a time for you to reflect. Not about pastor's scent, but to reflect about your own. Not about your spouse's scent, how good a Christian they are. But it's time to choose your own personal scent. What are you going to smell like this week? As you go out into your home, your school, your work, your places of business, where you shop, how you drive. Honk if you love Jesus. (laughs) What's your scent, folks? What's your sin? Let's talk to the Lord about it. Family altar time is wide open. Talk to Jesus about anything. As the praise team comes and gets ready, we just want to invite you to come, and we just want to ask the Holy Spirit to have his way. Right? Lord Jesus, have your way right now. You've been talking to us about the aroma of Christianity. And Lord, we just want to, we just want to step up to the plate, so to speak. We want to, we want to do our part. We want to be an encourager. We want to be a person that reflects Jesus. We want to grow in our relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you just send the Holy Spirit sweetly, softly. Come, Holy Spirit, minister to our needs. Help us to be better when we leave this place. Help us to drop our criticisms. Help us to begin accept the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Help us to carry the good news. May it come out of our smiles and our words and our actions and our attitudes, Lord. Yes, life is full of all kind of negative things. But Lord, help us to find something positive in our relationship with Jesus that we can share with others. So Lord, here we are. We pray to you today, asking, Lord, that you will make me better. Make us better. Help our perfume to fill the room with the scent of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together. Let's respond to the Lord to pray about whatever you need to.
today you hear our words you see our see our prayers today our heart is desiring to be a better Christian to be more like Jesus it's a constant way of life to grow we never quite make it we can always improve you're helping us improve today Lord you're helping me improve I want to be better, Lord. I want to be better. That's our heart cry. Make me more like Jesus. We have people that are praying and they want to be more like Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you'll help them just to grow. Just let them grow in Jesus today. The things that we face in life that get us down, Lord, but we're going to grow out above that we're not going to let our family and our, and our work associates and others pull us down but we're going to we're going to grow we're going to thrive in jesus we're going to read we're going to pray we're going to grow in jesus we're going to become more like him every day lord defeat the enemy in our community we want to see our community grow into jesus we pray for the churches in our community that they will, they will, they will help extend this lifeline of Jesus' death and resurrection to those in their area of, of influence. Lord, we just pray that others will get caught up and excited about what God is doing. May there be a change. Lord, as we prayed, we were praying this week, Lord, to stop these drug dealers and, and stop this uh, child abuse, Lord. And we pray that you'll begin to help things to happen around here. We need change in our community. Lord, help us to be the scent that goes out and begins to touch lives. And they begin to say, that's the answer. The answer is Jesus. Help us, Lord, not to give up. Help us not to be weary just because we're doing well. But help us to continue to do well and to do even better and to try harder. Help us to be encouragers. Help us, Lord, to be Mary's. And help us not to think so much about ourselves, like Judas. Give us, Lord, the scent of life. And help us to bear that scent out to our world. You know, those that are in the hospital today, we pray for Brandon as he does surgery this morning. Lord, be with him in a special way. Be with others that are facing things. You know, Lord, about the illnesses that have been going around. You know, Lord about those that are in the nursing home and you know lord about those that are facing relationships and decisions and financial and need jobs and different things that are going on and we know that you are god and you will help and we thank you for that and that's why we're here today to thank you to leave our gifts our, our concerns our burdens here and then accept more and more of your grace and love and mercy and forgiveness more of Jesus so we can leave in a few minutes living Jesus to the world so now help us in our worship time help us to reflect Lord that you deserve our praise you deserve the giving of ourselves you deserve everything that we can offer to you today and we love you in Jesus name we pray amen Let me see we hope you enjoyed this sermon if you're looking for a church in the Brazil Indiana area the Brazil Church of the Nazarene invites you to join us as we seek Him, celebrate Him, and serve Him. Sunday morning, we have Sunday school at 9 a.m. and worship at 10 a.m. 
During worship, we have We Worship for preschool-age kids and a children's church for elementary-age kids. For this information, news, a schedule of events, and more, please visit us online at brazilnaz.com. That's B-R-A-Z-I-L-N-A-Z.com. Or visit us in person at 1002 East National Avenue in Brazil. Thank you, and God bless.